Les mentioned uh, one thing that's happened this week, but uh, it's been a huge week. Uh, it's been a roller coaster week emotionally, I think, uh, for some of us and particularly more for others of us. Uh, on Monday, uh, we had Anzac Day. It almost feels like that was so long ago. Uh, Monday morning, uh, down at the Cenotaph, uh, we had to go inside because it rained. But I would say there'd be a thousand or more people uh, down there uh, listening and remembering and uh, taking time to think through the sacrifices made by people for us. Uh, and within that, a little glimpse that there's one even bigger to remember as well whose sacrifice was great for us. And then on Friday, I reckon there was probably a couple of thousand people gathered on the Oval to farewell Alex. Uh, it was huge. Uh, Alex was a 24-year-old who uh, played lots of different sports, grew up in our town, part of our school community. So there were people from everywhere. People flew in. One guy flew in from England uh, just to be there for that uh, time. And it was a very, very moving, very emotional uh, morning. Uh, and there's lots of people there, lots and lots of people. And then Friday night, uh, another young guy from our town who's grown up here and been part of our community, Pete Duncan and Kate Everett, who's grown up here to celebrate their wedding on uh, Friday afternoon. And there was over a hundred odd people standing there watching that and seeing that. Now, I was at all those. Uh, and it was a roller coaster week emotionally. It was a rollercoaster week emotionally because of the joy, the sadness, the joy, the sadness, all those sort of things wrapped up in, in all of that week. But it was an emotional week because as you looked out on all those people, as you saw them in all those different states of emotion across that, so many of them don't know Jesus. At the end of the, the service, Les came up to me of Alex's and uh, we stood there and we could look out across those thousands of people who were there. And the saddest part was that I think, as much as I know, 99% of them don't, didn't know and don't know Jesus yet. And a 24-year-old has lost his life in tragedy in that. And there's all these people who don't know the wonderful hope of eternity in Jesus. Ah, oh, they rock me. Does it rock you? Do we often look out there in the world around us and the people around us and think, they don't know Jesus yet. They're missing the greatest thing that has ever been. The person that gave his life for them. God came to earth so they could be in relationship with him forever. Imperfection out of this broken world and the hope and the security and the purpose and the meaning that all that brings. When I was listening to the talks and I was telling this Corona Corona couldn't be there. But there was this great, in amongst all that was said at Alex's funeral, there was this desperate hope that there was something more. His spirit, 
someone up there. The day was put on by Alex himself. We know that he won't leave us. I know that he's going to be part. He's out there. There was so much of that said that morning. But it just floats out here, doesn't it? But it says to me, when God says in his word that he's put eternity in the hearts of men and women, you just see it there. But they think they can fill it with their own story. But we have the one story. God has the one story in Jesus that fills that void and takes it from being this nebulous thing and brings it to reality and says, this is where it's at. And that's why we've been doing Saturate, guys. That's why we've been thinking this whole term up until now to take ourselves out of our comfort and sense that we've got it all sorted, that we're nice and comfortable in this little community that we live in. And don't get me wrong, there's some lovely things about that, but to take us out of that and remember that there are people in our community around us who don't know him yet. You haven't met him yet. And that God's placed you guys in this community so that people will meet him. I could almost stop there, couldn't I? But I want to encourage you this morning too. I want to take you and encourage you that that's why we're here, guys. That's what we're on about. We can think we're here for a whole lot of other reasons, just to raise, to raise our family, to build a business, to have all these things. Now, don't get me wrong, all those things are part of why we're here, but they're not the main reason that you're here. They're not the main reason that you're here just to have a nice lifestyle. It's not the main reason that you're here to retire. It's not the main reason that you're on this earth to do all those things. They're part of it, but they're not the main reason. God has got you here to have your life saturated in Jesus so that you saturate others with Jesus. That's what he's got us here for. And that's what we've been thinking about. And that's what I want to encourage you and that's what I want to enthuse you with this morning as we think that through. Last week, Les uh, took us into 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 31 through to 11, verse 1. And we're going to come back to that because within that we see what it's about. And then he took us on to think about how that works out in our everyday lives. And that's what we're going to be thinking about today as well. So Dean's going to come up and read that for us again. It's 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 31 to 11, verse 1. Oh, that one's better for you, mate. It's close to your height. <laughs> this one on? Yep, yep. So uh, Paul said 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 31 through chapter 11, verse 1. So whether you eat or drink, or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Do not cause anyone to stumble, whether Jews, Greeks, or the Church of God, even as I try to please everybody in every way. For I am not seeking my own good, but for the good of many, so that they may be saved. Follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. They're great verses, aren't they? very uh, challenging that everything, every aspect of our life has the goal, has the end point of bringing glory to God. 
And as we've been thinking through this statue, and we've been thinking about what that looks like, the end point of the glory of God is to see our lives saturated with Jesus and the world saturated with Jesus. That is how God's glory will be seen. That is what God wants. That is God's desire. He wants that to be the end point when that all comes together. Now in the final act, when God's glory is seen across the whole earth, will be when? When Jesus returns. And that's what it's still about now. The whole glory of God is seen most brilliantly and brightly when Jesus returns, when he restores it all to what it's supposed to be. And what he's on about now to see his glory is to see Jesus saturate people's lives now and saturate our world now. Our whole life is to be about his glory. That's about seeing our lives and other people's lives saturated with Jesus. Remember last week, Les said that when you look at this verse, the whole of life is all about the glory of God. And Paul goes to say, that is by doing good to many so that many will be saved. Now, the doing good to many is a a whole gamut of things, isn't it? It's about showing love to them in every aspect and in every way that you can. And that includes what we say and what we do and how we relate and how we react And most importantly, it's to see them see Jesus and meet him. So that they maybe say, we don't just do good for the sake of good. That would be what we call the social gospel. We're just doing good for the sake of good. No, we're doing good so that many may be saved. It's got a movement in it, hasn't it? It takes people to something. Our doing good, our loving others, is to draw people and point people and take people to Jesus. And that is to be the mode that we are in every day, every moment of the day. All in the glory of God, it says. Uh, I don't know about you, but uh, if you've been on a plane lately, when you get on the plane, one of the things that they tell you is they say, please, if you can take your phones out and if you can put it onto aeroplane mode. When you put your phone onto aeroplane mode, that means that you can't take calls, you can't text people, but you can operate a little bit of what's going on, but you go into a different mode. You turn stuff off so that your home phone doesn't work. We are not to go into give God the glory mode now and then turn it off at another point in time. We are to be in bring glory to God mode every moment of the day. On the way to church in the morning, okay, kids, we're in the car now, turn around them. Okay, kids, let's go into bring glory God mode now. Let's drive to church, be in glory God mode while we're here, while we're partying, all good. Okay, get back in the car. Okay, guys, flip it off now. We're out of bring, bring glory God mode. Let's just go back into how we normally are. It's all fine, isn't it? Okay? But that's for all of us, isn't it? We're not to be... In glory mode, God, for God mode, one moment, and then switch it off the next. We don't think, well, okay, while we're here at church, let's just put on the in, in glory God mode, let's all look smiley and happy and we'll all be fine. And then we go down the beach and flip it off. Or we play sport, turn it off now, don't go into all glory God mode now, flip that off. Or I'm at work now, oh, flip it off now, no, but I'll turn it back on now, I'm going to flip it back on now, I'm going to swipe it back. That verse says that in every part of our life, in every moment of it, there we are to bring glory to God. 
when we're at home, when we're with our family, when we're talking to our kids, when we're talking to the people down the street, when we're driving in the car, when we're going to work, when we're dealing with the people that we're at work with, when we're dealing with the people that are buying stuff off us, when we're talking to the people when we're playing sport, before sport, after sport, during sport, at the pub, at the club, at home, making love to your wife, talking to your kids, in every aspect of it. It doesn't say you can turn the mode off. It's in every part of our lives. We are to be in glory to God mode 24-7, guys. That should be a joy, shouldn't it? It's not to be a burden. It's to be a joy that we can live that out in every aspect of our lives. And as we've been thinking about saturate, last week we looked at that we could do that in the everyday stuff of life, in the things that we do regularly throughout the week. And who can remember the three different ones that rhythms that we looked at last week that Les looked at? That's a challenge, isn't it? Celebrate was one of them. Recreate and eat. That were the ones. Okay, this is a little picture out of uh, saturate book. You can work out which ones are the, the, the three that we're talking about. While we're eating, celebrating, recreating, while we're resting, in all of those things, we're to have the bring glory to God mode on continually. And that means we are to be thinking about how do we saturate our lives and other people's lives with Jesus in every aspect of our lives. In every part of it, even in the everyday stuff. You see, Christians have been called hypocrites. Why? Because they turn up at Sunday and they profess how good God is and talk about how good God is and then they go out and they turn the mode off. That's why we get called hypocrites, guys. That's not to be us. We're to be known that we're in glory to God mode all the time, every moment of the day, in every rhythm that we're involved in, in every aspect of it. And we're going to quickly talk through three of them for you now this morning. Let's go through them. The first one is listen. Everyone listens, but not everyone listens well. There's a good saying, isn't there, and we've mentioned this many years ago, I haven't said it for a while because I got sick of it, but it's a good one. You've got two ears and one mouth, use them proportionately. We should be listening twice the amount of time that we're speaking. It's a good challenge, isn't it? Next time you're in a conversation with someone, consciously think, am I listening twice as much as I'm speaking? If you're both doing that, you could be very silent, couldn't you? But the idea is is that we are to use our ears to listen. And we use our ears to listen to two things. Uh, We'll go back one for that. This is a good proverb. Uh, It says, Proverbs 10, 19, When words are many, sin is not absent. But he who holds his tongue is wise. If you're listening to people that just go on and 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 on, there is a good chance that something is going to come out of their mouth that is going to be sin. Because they talk too much. We are to be people who listen and listen well. We need to be listening to God. And we need to be listening to others. You see, if we trust and believe in Jesus, then we have the Spirit within us. 
and the Spirit is within us to help us listen to God. As we spend time in his word, as we spend time reading from his word, we need to spend time listening to God through his word and asking the Spirit to enable us to hear what God is saying to us through that. A couple of weeks ago we talked about being still and know that I am God. We need to be still and take time to do that, don't we? How are we going at that? It's tough, isn't it? Because we have a screen, we have a remote, we have a computer, we have a phone. There is stuff always wanting you to listen to it or look at it. But we need to take time to listen to what God says to us through his word. We need to have the spirit within us. We need to be asking the spirit to reveal that to us. But we also need to be trusting God that when we're listening to others that the Spirit is going to be working in their life as well. That it's not just about us having to save people and tell people how it works out. Us blokes are really good at that, aren't we? We think we go Mr. Fix-It mode every time someone comes to us with a problem. I know how to fix that problem. Here's the answer. No. We need to listen and pray that the Spirit answers and works through the person that we're speaking to. There may be times when we do need to speak and the Spirit may prompt us to do that. But we need to listen more and pray more and ask the Spirit to do the revealing more than us. So when you're speaking to someone who does know Jesus and brings something to you, be praying that the Spirit will reveal to that person God's word and God's truth to them so that they can become more like Jesus. When you're talking to someone who doesn't know Jesus yet, listen and pray that the Spirit will be opening up their lives to meet Jesus and to know Jesus. It's a good way to be praying, isn't it? Thinking rather than speaking, be praying for the Spirit to be at work. I think sometimes we think it's all on our shoulders, isn't it? God has got his spirit. He's more powerful than any of us. Unless his spirit's at work in someone's life, it's not going to make a difference anyway. It's God's spirit that changes. It's God's spirit that converts. Not you and I. So we need to be listening to God and to others and to do it well. Let me encourage you, the next time you're in conversation with somebody, See if you can close your mouth more often than you have it open. And when you do open it, how about you ask questions about them? How about you think about finding out about their story? Don't jump in and tell your story first. Listen to their story. Because that's the second part, isn't it? Story. Our world is made up of stories. There are stories everywhere. We hear stories, we listen to stories, we've actually even got our own story. And all of us live inside a bigger story and the biggest story that's inside our heads is what they call world view. It's how we understand everything around us and how it puts together. And when we understand that world view, that world view impacts and influences how we live out our story. And every one of us has a story. And God has the ultimate story, doesn't he? That's what Les was saying earlier, wasn't it? 
God's story in the Bible takes us up to just after Jesus died, but his story hasn't finished. His story is continuing on and we are part of that story. And some of the people in this world are part of God's story as he brings that story to his ultimate conclusion when Jesus returns. That story is continuing on. And you and I are part of that and coming into that and are involved in that. And God wants us to hear other people's stories and us to be able to help them intersect and come to see God's story within that. As I was thinking through this, I thought it's a bit like this, that we've got our story, all of other people have got their story, but God has his one story. And that one story is running down the middle and God wants people's story to intersect and come into his story and be part of his story and go on down the track and stay in that. But often what we do, our story comes in and we intersect with it and then we want to bounce off and go off into our own story again. We want to take it off on another track. We want to come into his story and join his story and be part of his story. And we want other lives to come in and intersect with God's story and then go forward in that. And his story is ultimately all about Jesus. That is the best story. As you listen to other stories and you see your story, you realise that your story is deficient. It breaks down in places. But God's story in Jesus doesn't. It's the answer to everyone else's story. So we want to see people's lives come and intersect with that. And you won't know that unless you listen to their story and hear their story. And it won't happen unless you know God's story as well. How well do you know God's story? Do you know how it moves through? Do you know how it takes from Adam and works its way through to Jesus and and, and on from there? The only way you're going to know God's story is if you get into God's story and read it, isn't it? And spend time in it and get to know it and understand it. And not only that, but practice knowing it and telling it to others. When was the last time you sat down and explained God's story to someone? Let me encourage you to practice it with your family. Start with people you know. Start talking to people about God's story. I've always had this one, very simple one in my head. It's five points. It's very simple. We talk about God made it. We mucked it up. God's going to restore it. What do you do? What if you don't? Talking about how God was the one who created it. Man mucked it up by disobeying him. God's going to fix it through Jesus and does fix it through Jesus. What if you do believe it? What if you don't? There you go. Flesh that out. Think about how you can need to do that. And the more that you know God's story, the more you'll be able to recognise when other people's stories are veering towards it. You'll know how God answers that question about their broken relationship with their husband and their wife. Or the fact that they're looking to alcohol or other things to satisfy their life. Or they're trying to seek a sense of who they are in their work or their job. The more we understand God's story, we can see how it intersects and we can speak that into people's stories. Uh, in a couple of weeks' time, uh, in the NCCC week, we're going to have a night here and we're going to listen to a talk by a guy called Sam Chan 
and he's going to tell us about uh, a number of things, but one of them about how to put your story together so that it leads people to God's story. Can I encourage you though, the next time you're speaking to someone, ask them their story. You might need a little bit of time, listen, but ask them the story. Find out who they are, where they came from and what they're on about. We did that at the very beginning of our growth groups, gospel communities this year, didn't we? And that just opened up a whole lot of things for us understanding the people in our group. We didn't realise some of the stuff that went on in their childhood and their family and so forth. It just really gave us a greater perspective of who they are and how God has stepped into their story in Jesus and how he's taking their story in another direction. But you can do that with anyone. At Karina, with the ladies out there, we've been doing that, haven't we? Over the last few weeks, we've been learning and hearing people's stories. It's been a treasure trove. It's been just a beautiful time to hear people's stories and to see how God steps into that story. As we listen to people's stories, we can help see and encourage people to see how their story intersects with God's perfect story in Jesus. And when we do that, we can bless people, can't we? It's a great saying, is it blessed to be a blessing? Uh, if you see in, uh, if you go in to look at Saturate, Jeff has a great little uh, definition, I suppose, of what blessed means. It's to intentionally display God's grace through words, gifts and actions. Intentionally display God's grace through words, gifts and actions. Because we all have been blessed in so many ways and we have so much. Be that in our understanding of our stories, of who we are and where we're from and experiences we've had. Be that in the fact that the stuff that we have or the blessings that we've got or the money that we've got or the things that we have, we have so much that we can take and bless others with. Our time, our experience, our gifts, our talents. There's a great part, one line in, uh, in that book that says that we should be living lives that are blessing people so much that there is no other excuse for that other than Jesus. That our lives should be so radically turned round in how we live it that there's no other reason for that other than Jesus. That'd be phenomenal, wouldn't it? When people see how we live and they think, man, how do, how do they do that? How are they so generous? How, are they, how do they give so much? How do they do that? How do they love so much? How do they give so much? And then they can only say, well, it's got to be something more. And it's because of Jesus. We've been blessed to be a blessing. It's a great illustration in the book that I thought, wow, I wonder if we could do this. Uh, in the book, Jeff says that as they were talking about that in one of their small gospel communities, one person in their uh, group went into their house and listed, put a list of all the things that they had, everything that they had that they could think of in their house. And then they went to their gospel community and they sat there and they asked the, the, the gospel community, uh, is there anything anyone here needs at this point in time? And if she had that, she gave it to them. 
One of the gospel communities found out that one person or a couple in their group were really struggling at this point in time in debt. Financially, they were finding it really, really hard. So the gospel community talked about it, worked out how much they owed, and together the gospel community paid off their debt. Set them free from their debt. It's a great picture of the gospel, isn't it? How challenging would that be for us? Go home, write down everything that you've got, have an itemised list of it. And if you see someone who needs that, go and give it to them. Or if you see that someone has a need over here, go and do that for them. Maybe you list out what you've got. Maybe you list out your talents. Maybe you list out your time. Think about all that together and then go, right, if God shows me someone that needs that, whatever it is, I'm going to give it to them. How radical would that be? I'm scared about that. How about you? But if we're going to be living lives that show that we have been radically blessed by God beyond our wildest imaginations and dreams... We have our salvation totally secure in him. Our eternity is completely safe in him. Then this world, really, we don't need a whole lot to live in this world. Let's give it. Let's be blessing others with it. Let's use whatever God has given us for him. Wow. And people have to say, I can't believe they're doing that. The only answer has got to be something's behind that. And it's Jesus. It's by encouraging us and enthusing us and motivating us to do that. Wow. How good would that be? Challenge, isn't it? Thousands of people this week have been at places where they've been talking about remembering sacrifice, joy, sadness, hope. And thousands of them don't know the ultimate hope in Jesus. They don't know the ultimate story. They don't know the story that answers all of that. And God has placed us amongst them and with them them to hear it. Let's not switch the glory to God mode off. Let's have it on all the time. Let's listen well to both God and to others and asking the Spirit to be do his work. Let's listen to people's stories. Let's know our story and God's story and see how they intersect together. And how God's story is the answer to that. And let's be people who radically bless others with all that God has blessed us with. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I don't want this to be another set of rules or another set of conditions, Lord, that we've just placed on ourselves. Lord, we want this to come out of a deep desire within us that there are people out there who don't know you yet, Lord.
We want this to come from a deep desire, Lord, that we've been ripped out of a life of hopelessness and an eternity without you and placed in your family, Lord, through Jesus. Understanding the enormity of that, Lord, and the love that you have for us in that, Lord. That drives us and motivates us and wells up from the inside, Lord, for us to be people who are on about your glory every day in everything that we do, Lord. And Lord, as we think about the everyday stuff that we do, as we think about the rhythms that we are in, Lord, we pray that Jesus saturates and infiltrates and move through all of that, Lord. Lord, as we're saturated with him, may that sponge off us and hit and enable and see people be saturated with Jesus as well, Lord. May you use us as part of bringing those people into your story your story of redemption, your story of salvation, your story of restoration, your story of transformation, and your story of eternity. Lord, people are crying out for it, even if they don't know it. Lord, we pray that you may use us to be part of bringing people be part of your story. Lord, we ask that by your spirit you'll do a mighty work within our hearts, Lord. Move within us. Give us the heart that you have for those people around us, Lord. May we be on our knees asking for your spirit to be working in the lives of people who don't know you yet. Be working in the lives of the people who do know you. So that when people see us, when people hear us, when people see what we do, Lord, that they'll bring glory to you. Because the only reason for all of it is Jesus. We pray this in his mighty and powerful name.